Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Kate Strong. Kate is a three-time cycling world record holder, age group world champion in triathlon, performance and impact coach, and business consultant, and passionately plant-based. Kate leads by example when it comes to peak performance, whether that's climbing Mont Blanc, developing a sustainable business with global reach, or breaking free cycling world records. She's a widely sought-after coach, enabling individuals and teams to redefine what's possible and introduce flow into their daily way of being. Stepping away from competitive triathlon and cycling, she's now using her sport as a way to connect communities and raise awareness around environmental and social causes. Later this year, Kate will cycle 600 miles around the circumference of Wales on a bike that she's making out of bamboo to raise £10,000 for a mental health and suicide prevention charity. And advertising doesn't stop there. In June 2023, she takes on Challenge 3000 to party from Cardiff, where she will cycle over 3,000 miles around the coastline of Wales, England and Scotland, planting 3,000 trees, hosting workshops, talks and raising awareness around the importance of taking action towards climate change. So welcome on to the show, Kate. Thank you, James. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. So if we go back to your days to start off uh, around the triathlon what what was the the allure of getting into triathlon say versus obviously being an out and out swimmer out and out cyclist and out and out runner yeah i mean i started triathlon in my mid-30s but the first triathlon i did was in my mid-20s and i'd stopped because i listened to my then boyfriend and my family who sort of talked me out to continuing and pursuing it. So the reason I got into triathlon, it was, it was the idea of putting all three together. Uh, I always was enthralled by Ironman, this 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, finishing with a marathon run. And the thought of doing all three was what, what excited me. I didn't think it was possible. And when I started in mid-30s, I needed a little bit of impossible in my life to overcome what I was dealing with. People listening, you can't see that you've got a smile on your face when you're describing all all that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I do. I, I know, like, we hear it all the time. Magic happens when we push ourselves outside our comfort zone. We get off the sofa and do something. And nine times out of ten, it's painful, but that's where we feel alive. That's where I really know how deep I can dig is when I'm pushing myself hard and want to give up. So talk to me about obviously the challenge later on in this year, 2022, as we're talking about the circumference of Wales. What's the idea behind that? Because for for people obviously in the British Isles uh, would know where we are. Um, but for the Americans, obviously, there's a little bit. I'm not. I'm going to put out a bias here a little bit. Of they don't know the difference between England and Wales. So, so for for, for so I got a better understanding as well. What would you define as the circumference of Wales? Um, obviously, three quarters of it is coastline, 
Uh, and the last bit is I'm going to follow the road. So I'm going to step a little bit into England, but it's it's running up vertically uh, from that rectangle piece that sticks out that you and I call Wales, uh, which is in itself its own country, as you rightly said. So, yeah, I wanted to support a local Welsh mental health charity. And so it just made sense to, to keep it in my birth country of Wales. It's a beautiful country. I didn't, I'm 43. Typically we wait till we're you know, retired to visit where we live. And I think lockdown and the pandemic really brought home that I live in a beautiful place and it's about time that I start exploring here rather than keep flying everywhere and seeing what other places have to explore as well. Well, to give to, to for where I'm at, it, it's it's to a certain extent. Obviously, your South Wales is more built up than uh, than than the north, and the proximity I've got. I live, say, at most thirty minute walk from the sea, and I'm forty five minutes by car from Snowdonia. So, it, it was something that for me, as well, of okay, my mother's from here, so it's not my land of my father's land of my mother's um and obviously with me growing up overseas i i kind of didn't know where i fitted in to to this to a certain extent it probably did affect mental health as well because like uh growing up in a, a military environment it's not really you could be anywhere mm-hmm. being on, on, a, on a base as because it's a home away from home in a foreign country so for me uh, growing up in that environment it's okay I can speak the native language of, of, of French and being able to speak with the French and the Belgians but obviously don't belo- I don't technically belong there uh, when it comes to having obviously both parents that are um, maternal language is English so for me it's taken some years of probably soul searching and kind of going uh, and discovering other things be it photography and things like that and the screensaver that's actually on my my computer is it's Snowdonia so uh, even though I'm not there I can see it every single day uh, and it brings home obviously the the beauty of that and the realization for me so you've got some contacts is with sport I go up to Scotland a lot and most people would be synonymous of that scenery. But you're thinking, well, I don't have to travel three, four hours to go to that when I've got it on my doorstep of, okay, Snowdonia, uh, South Wales, you've got the Brecon Beacons, um, you've got the Black Mountains in, in the middle. So we've got pretty st- some uh, stunning scenery uh, on our doorstep in Wales. Yeah, exactly. So raising money for a mental health charity getting out in nature, realizing that nature, as you said, is 30 minutes from your house or even outside your front door. It just felt right. Um, I, at the beginning, I, I do struggle a lot in winter anyway, mentally, uh, with my mental health. And the, the last few years in particular, because of the pandemic. So it just feels, it feels a nice circle for me to be able to give back to a, a community that looked after me when I needed it as well. Well, I shouldn't knock, uh, well, Cardiff itself is probably quite, oh, it's hard to describe. So you've got, uh, Butte, I can't remember, it's Butte Park, back of the yeah. castle, isn't it? So, that, so you wouldn't think a big city would have uh, wide open spaces and um, obviously Swansea, and I, given none to them because I went to university down there, has got the Gower and obviously, I think because when it's on your doorstep, you take it for granted. I know especially as a student, I did it, oh, I got a beach, got a beach. 
but then you don't you don't actually utilize it um mm. so i think i i'd agree with with lockdown i think with living in north wales is a lot easier because of the the well not easier as in the rules that were imposed by the welsh government of not being able to travel five miles you had to be very inventive as well where where can i go uh my county uh along the coast that's only two places <laughs> five miles so it's not a far, far it's only that's in real and that's it uh so you have to be very creative of uh I, i'm very happy that i probably live in a in a town as opposed to a city when it mm -hmm. came to mental health because i've got access to a back garden uh obviously it's not busy well it wasn't busy you can tell it's obviously almost back to normal now but it was it's almost you've got that escapism into the countryside and it's, it's, it's very easy and i don't have to necessarily go to snowdonia i could go further inland uh, say maybe 10 miles and mm. it'd be pretty i won't say desolate but in places some places it, it's, it's very odd i went to uh the county of conway last year and you you would struggle to think well where are the people yeah because it's not it's not that the, the place i went is fairy falls so it's not as if it's not well known because of social media you're thinking but it's i've only seen i think in the space of a couple of hours i think maybe a handful of people which is surprising yeah and um, yeah it just to me it just felt it felt I go a lot with intuition. I know that sport requires logic and systems and training plans, but if my heart isn't in it, it's very hard for me to, to commit to it. So it just felt right for me to be able to travel to these, you know, through these amazing places with my bamboo bike, raising money, but also connecting to the communities and seeing firsthand what's what's it like to live there and and remind them that you might be you might be surrounded by nature but sometimes feel isolated or you might be in a city and still feel that too so you know how can we work together and and learn from each other as well what was the idea behind having a, a bamboo bike versus say uh a, 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 i won't say traditional say modern carbon fiber uh or even to to the realms of a titanium frame yeah i'm i'm very sustainably conscious uh and the thought of even riding a second hand bike it's great but it felt a little bit greenwashed for me <laughs> so growing a bamboo so i found a company that would do that for me and cut the bamboo to size for six pieces of bamboo to make a frame it, it it's a nice way to sort of nod to us deconstructing everything we're doing to not just stop at a low like a low good enough level but to go right back to the, the the drawing plan and go how can we do this better from the beginning not just halfway and it might be a little bit more complicated a little bit more disruptive but yeah it's just another way to say let's all look at how we interact with each other to, to support mental health in a fundamentally different way rather than just yet another app on our phone for example uh, as well as the environment and climate change like how can we actually work together to really resolve this not just put things in the recycling bin and take it off as a, as a done and both those tasks the app and the recycling is important but you know the bamboo bike was sort of an invitation for us to go a little deeper as well 
I think I think from the recycling po- point of view, I, and I've it was more so. I think the 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 base of it's almost like a lifestyle that you did. It's something I've done since I was probably a preteen. So for me, it's 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 going uh, beyond recycling and and probably not necessarily put pressure on the the manufacturers. Factories. I, I did a photo shoot yesterday that um one of the uh, props was actually um uh the photographer said originally it had uh was holding oranges so i'm assuming that's to replace plastic cardboard etc and and ultimately you you're thinking well i've only got to talk to to my parents generation bottled milk take it back reutilize mm-hmm. it and what is this obsession of okay it's, it's probably convenient for the the manufacturer it's convenient for people to use uh, plastics but i've gone out of my way to learn about water and things like that and uh, listening to people of if if the pla- if the plastic gets warm and people will learn this now it leaks microplastics if i didn't know that of social media you would think okay bottled water if you leave it in the car, it's obviously one thing, and it will get toxic anyway. But just the exposure to light, and then you're going to get microplastics. It's not ideal to go down that route of health in that sense. So it's good that you are looking to to do something that is you could term unconventional uh, of utilizing bamboo. Um, obviously, it's well. The, the Asians themselves use it as construction. I think it's the Hong Kong that use bamboo scaffolding instead of uh, steel scaffolding that we was because it's it's um, it's just just as strong and I think it's probably safer because if it was to fall, fall down, it probably wouldn't do do as much damage or hurt people. Uh, but but what were some of the the, the challenges? Because obviously you can't make the tires or the seat out of bamboo. Yeah, those those components are more traditional. So you you know, I haven't gone a hundred percent bamboo, but the the biggest component with the highest carbon footprint is actually the frame. So I have just taken the one the one element and and then used secondhand frames. I'm using my old saddle from when I raced cycling. So I'm, I'm doing my best to reuse components that way. Um, but yeah, coming back to the plastic though, even even if we put everything in recycling only nine percent actually gets recycled so it it is a consumer responsibility but we you know it is also governmental to step up and uh do a little bit more and not hide this from us because we think we're doing right and then we get the stats and the guilt's also passed down to us which is a bit of naughty um well you see it on packaging oh it's this is only recyclable if you were to take it back to I can't remember which supermarket in it, I used to be the big three or four in the UK and mm, it's like you've got yeah. to take it back to them before it was like well why don't you use something that can be I'm getting on my high horse with that one why yeah. don't you use something that it can be universally recycled because this will depend depending on your your postcode as well in terms of it could be nine percent it could be worse where you live yeah in, in terms of that and uh if I use North Wales because it, it's there's two different systems and I'm only a space of say six miles from the other county and their recycling thing is completely different. We put all our uh, recycling in one bin 
So technically, if you were to not wash it properly or somebody didn't wash it properly, that's cross-contaminated and then that percentage is going to go down. Whereas in the county of Conway, they've, people have got to uh, separate it out for each uh, individual um, byproduct, so be it paper, separate, glass, da da da, da. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I grew up in Belgium, there was a similar system, but it, what, the, it didn't go to your door. It, you had to go and obviously do it yourself. Um, so, which is, you, you could call it inconvenient, but that's only a step. So it's it's it's, it's ultimately, I think, reutilizing things a bit more of, uh, not necessarily depending on cardboard, um, plastic for milk, and utilizing maybe... Uh, bottles and you have less or you have mo- more of them and uh, and you maybe go more often to yeah. the, to the corner shop which obviously depending on where you live may or may may or not may or may not still exist yeah no exactly it's a hugely complicated topic and there isn't one solution because obviously accessibility for some communities is different for others uh, and for the individual so I, I complete. I'm not when I'm doing my cycling, especially next year. It's not to come with solutions. It's to just get people talking and asking intelligent questions to share best practice. Um, so yeah, this it, it's it's intriguing. It's very intriguing. I think it's very urgent that we need to also keep this at the forefront as well. Because well, yeah, I think I think what 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 is the documentary going on at? Uh, present on the bbc of uh big oil and, and climate change and i caught a little bit of one of the episodes and it got me to to, to definitely take and sit no because oh, he's retired now but one of the the ceos of one of the big firms Ex, exxon mobile he he was on record as saying oil didn't contribute to to climate change you're thinking well that's utter ridiculous in terms of you've got the R&D programs within big big techs and big tech companies like that can kind of tell you, you you would have thought one of the scientists was to kind of go, before you go on record and say this, this is technical, it might be your opinion, but it's not based on fact of uh, ultimate, because you're seeing obviously uh, technology from a car perspective move to, to hybrid, to electric, to alternative sources of fuel okay it's going to take a long time and um, this is probably a debate i have with with family from time to time when it when it comes to electric cars of of our stance uh, from a government perspective of 2030 be carbon neutral you're thinking well dependent and coming back to your point of depending where people live in some of these places isn't this isn't actually feasible of where's this electricity going to come from to be able to make um these wholesale changes we're talking about eight years now away so i i it's not a solution but it's an option as i i came out as well maybe maybe do it from the south up because the infrastructure can be accelerated a lot quicker be it london cardiff Birmingham and the big cities they can do these things a lot faster because they've got bigger population and there's an easier uh, infrastructure to be able to implement it versus maybe where I live we do have two 
of these electric points, but you hardly see them utilized. So ultimately, how is it hooked up to the national grid and where is the energy going to come from? Because, okay, I've got a wind farm off my coast, but that source of energy is not, um, how would I describe this? You can't store it. It, can, it has to go straight into the national grid when it's windy. So you're thinking, okay, there's a bit of a little bit of wind out there today. Not a lot. But if they could maybe go into technology that you're able to store the stuff and then re you actually utilize it when it's more in demand, yeah, that would obviously make things more uh, uh, sustainable in that fashion. Because I'm not against electric cars. Yeah. It's just a case of oh, you don't want to be breaking down in the middle of nowhere. Be it, it doesn't matter if it's Wales, doesn't matter England or, or Scotland. If if it's only a certain amount of charge and you don't know where the next one potentially could be. I know there's a few in North Wales, but there's not a lot. But if you were to go into, say, a national park, the likelihood yeah. of there being one of those in there to be able to then come back or go home is very minute. So I think it, it's it the, the politicians need to have a little bit more uh, foresight and a little bit more 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 compassion. I'm I'm giving them a lot of outs here, but in terms of need to maybe look at things more factually and rationally depend on where where people are because people will embrace it because obviously uh we can see that year on year storms are getting worse and yeah. things are becoming more um i mean problematic. One, one thing which would be great is so we do need new infrastructure we do need new technology but the uk has actually is in process of commissioning 40, 40 new oil and gas uh, refineries. Instead of putting all that money and investment into mining yet more oil to, to bring into production, because we already have a surplus that should last us without changing our lifestyle till 2030, we could be investing in how to store wind, how to store electricity, because it would take a fraction of the cost and be much quicker so that's the sort of stuff that frustrates me isn't it isn't that we you know north wales hasn't got you know you haven't got an electric car as a consumer it's that the government's still investing in oil and gas where they could be investing in you being able to have a space to charge your electric car so that's that's sort of the area that needs to be looked into um and it is unfortunately governmental it's away from you and i as individuals we can protest but you know i don't think they listen <laughs> Well, you could go a step further because uh, you, you've got, um, oh, what's the name of the power, uh, nuclear power plant? That's still potentially to be built in in North Wales. The, uh, mm. one in, in, um, Anglesey, is that just Ang I can't remember what it's called. That's awful, that. <laughs> Obviously, there's one, there's one currently still there, but the, 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 I think they shelved it because the Chinese were going to build it and there was all that stuff over Huawei and things like that. So they kind of went, no, we don't want you to build it just in case of uh, espionage and things like that. But and this is something I talked about uh, previously on the episode about, you know, new forms of energy. There's this reluctance of all its 
it's in earshot from big oil cars tech they don't want to give away power ultimately they don't want to mm. leverage uh the the autonomy and the the capital they've already got so they don't want to really so it's the same with um and which i talked about on the previous episode about you know hybrid cars things like that, alternates fuel sources the oil and car industry doesn't want didn't want it as well but we'll, we'll buy up all the patents and stop it so yeah. technically we could probably be 10 20 if not 30 years further down the road if that hadn't happened but obviously as human beings it is to a certain extent it's an ego complexion that comes into play because it's like well i want to have what i want i don't want to uh withstand uh, or, or give away any any percentage of what i've got which is obviously not right in terms of the the spiritual side of things. It's a, if we all work collectively together, obviously we progress a lot quicker. Yeah, and and the sad thing is there is nothing to give away. We don't have to change our lifestyle. And if we were to just invest in renewable energy, and we still need energy companies to manage the solar panels, et cetera, et cetera. So the the large company energy companies could still be making a huge amount of money and it's not like they have to turn the sun on every day it naturally comes out so it could actually cost them less with higher profits if if they pivoted but there is no incentive they, they're still receiving government subsidies to oil you know to mine oil uh so why would they they're, they're actually getting paid to do this so so that's sort of you know, we we are feeling the pressure of today. We are we are as consumers feeling the pressure of having to change our habits to to carry the guilt of not having an electric car or flying. But but we don't have to have that guilt if we just changed at the very top level what these companies did and where they got their energy from. So it is it's a tough one. And again, as us as individuals, we can talk about it, but. It, it ultimately comes down to the politicians to make that change for us. I just hope that they make the right decision. Well, as we as we're talking, Kate, we're 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 inundated from a media perspective of. Well, I'll use him because he's Welsh. Martin Lewis talking about it's going to be uh, an, env- an environmental and kind of uh, an economic crisis for for people because of bills going. Mm-hmm. Things like over hundred percent increase uh, come come the winter. You're thinking, well, in a first world country, it's a first world problem, but we shouldn't be talking about energy things in terms of all. Uh, if you look at any other European country, they've all done something to counteract, yeah, uh, some you could say greed a little bit, but the 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 actual demand for energy as well you don't need to forecast it we live in a cold climate thus there's going to be a higher demand on electric gas heating come september onwards as well could you not come back to our initial point of investing that technology that you're able to store energy to store be it from solar be it from Okay, we don't have the luxury of like the Icelandics to be able to use the the the, the thermal energy underneath because of the geysers 
uh, that would solve one aspect of it to be able to uh, to use it from the core to you to to insulate housing to be able to use the natural stuff, but it's what you put it as if they're going to still subsidize something people aren't going to stop doing it because it's like well if you're going to give me uh money and i don't have to do anything for it i'm already doing it oh gosh why 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 stop it so i think i think the kind of despite the nose to a certain extent because they'll, they'll they'll prop that up but then we'll say we'll give a certain amount of money towards renewables be that solar wind wave but you're thinking well uh, I don't think the one in South Wales even got off the ground yet the 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 barrage the barrage no. the bay is, so, so you're thinking well that I live down there so that thing that bay is huge mm. and from a tidal perspective uh if if the weather was right the currents coming off the Atlantic would be massive in yeah. terms of energy wise uh, during certain amounts of years so you're thinking okay there's going to be resistance from communities as well but if it's under un, under the water and my, my my uncle's an engineer so he always say well if you can't see it it's you used to, you eventually get used it's the same with uh the barrage in cardiff it's not really an eyesore now it's probably a given of almost like the the thames barrier it's it's out there somewhere but i can't see it so you kind of get on with it and it's from a economic standpoint, it's, it's changed what is Tiger Bay yeah. into, into Cardiff Bay. So it's almost changed uh, a city of, okay, I never went when it was called that, but I, I hear stories about it as, as it's docks, it's rough, it's things like that, uh, to, to now it's a vibrant part of the city. Yeah, I mean... There's always impact and consequence. So even if we were to do something ultimately majoritively positive, there will be a negative consequence around that as well. But it's about now weighing up the latter of two evils. And for me, energy, if we can if we can put pressure on the, the main energy suppliers to dominate and predominantly find it from solar and renew renewable sources, Yes, there will be an impact. Maybe we'll have to look at a few more wind farms. Maybe, you know, that will impact the, the flight path of bats and certain animals, and uh, sorry, birds. But but the, the, the benefit is far greater than that. So, yeah, I think it is important to keep, keep focusing on the bigger picture because we can't survive if we keep doing what we're doing today. And it's not you and me as individuals. It's the companies, it's the government, it's the mining, it's the, you know, we, we're getting refugees now from the climate that where they're living, they can't live anymore because of the extreme temperatures. So land and our houses will be put into bigger threat as well. So doing to doom and gloomus, but well, it's fact. It's fact because you'll see things like the, these kind of prediction. Um, yeah. How to describe it? Maps of, of watching one of uh, it to do with obviously sea levels rising by I think meters, not so uh based on the uk and mm. 10 meters was pretty much all of london i think okay wow but that's 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 not that's 10 meters isn't a lot i, I i'm okay it's quite quite hard to tell where i live in north wales when it's a big okay, 
a map that's probably more zoomed in than the one behind you. But cities, you'd say Liverpool, I think, was gone. You're talking Cardiff. about major cities. Yeah. By Liverpool's about twelve meters above sea level. Uh, it's it's good from a, a educational standpoint because you learn things. Uh, I would say I've got a mountain in the back of me. There's probably about fifty meters high. So in theory some aspects of britain scotland was almost untouched it's easy you know, uh how elevation there is but it brings into uh, perspective in terms of like coastal cities coastal towns in terms of how on on okay i think one i'd seen with uh which was the place um I'd been there in France and pretty much the sea was coming over and it was affecting mm-hmm. like properties smack bang on the well, okay you is see that? that in you see that in Wales occasionally in the winter Aberyst was generally always getting a lot of damage because it's a lot of the, the, the properties on the sea front yeah. and you, you, we can't go about just altering with seed events is because ultimately it's going to change current so i only have to talk to my mom of how much where we live has changed from when she was a child of of uh because you're saying like uh two of the car parks that we've got on the seafront were dunes and that's only about we're talking about mm. 50 years ago and how and ultimately by yeah putting coastal defenses is to protect obviously people's housing because those would be the ones that wouldn't be very happy if it wasn't put into place but it changes uh sandbanks it changes the coastal erosion to a different place to to um how much sand is on a beach compared so pretty much it's the the the, okay i'm not that far from liverpool and the wirral they'd put quite happily get rid of some of their sand and that's what i think one that they've um They've done this more for tourism reasons, I think, more so than anything. Of uh, Colwyn Bay has bought some of that sand to put onto their beach. You're thinking, well, what effect is that going to have further down the coast as a result of having yeah. more more sand here? And then obviously the sea is going to change its course. It's going to change um, the. What am I trying to think of it? In way the which the the, the not sand the sea comes in from a um, tidal perspective and also a current. I couldn't think what I wanted to say. It's going to ch- alter those in terms because there's a there's there's a joke a little bit uh, of locally. It'd be normally the, the the visitors that will get caught up. You know, like you got a bit of water that comes in behind and you get yeah. cut off. That's that's that 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 doesn't happen that much nowadays but normally that is probably why a lot of the rescue services are called into action because people aren't aware of the conditions and i respect the sea because it's quite a dangerous place to to be okay i've only from a sport perspective only fell in the the taff or the tower that's not too bad but that's a river and it's still cold, let alone the sea. And then you've got other factors of wind, tides, and currents that are obviously quite dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, if global 
temperatures raise by one and a half to two degrees, what you've just said about sea level rise will be it, we, it will be fact. It will be 24-7. The water will rise and those places will be underwater, however big the wall you build. So, you know, this is why this is why it's important to transition away from sort of mined energy into that renewable energy, if only to protect our coastline. Most most of England and Wales will will have a brand new coastline. And as you said, some of Scotland, but not every every area. Elements. Well, you got the north. You got the these the east coast of um, Norfolk and Sussex, uh, Suffolk. Mm. Is, is that's definitely underwater because it's it's land that's been reclaimed from the sea yeah. in the first place. So, yeah, probably... next year on my bike, as you know, I'm cycling three thousand miles around the coastline of England, Scotland, and Wales. And in theory, I'm visiting places that won't exist in ten years' time which is quite scary if you think about it like that. Well, you, you hear about the ones that, you know, in, in the Pacific and things like that, of, well, they're Commonwealth Islands uh, that are slowly sinking, uh, be it, I think Fiji's under uh, under under risk as well, mm-hmm. of these are exotic ex- exotic islands, but obviously for the for the locals, that's, that's, that's where they live. Brighton, it's Bournemouth, it's... Portland, it's you know, it's talk, uh, it's um, Cardiff, it's Liverpool. You know, these places, half of them, half of it will be underwater. So, so that's why I'm partly visiting as well as to say, like, we're in the war zone. Like, we we not might not see the wall, but this is this is where the red line is drawn, and this is what this is the element to the right, closer to the water, will not exist in in five ten years time if we continue without putting pressure. And again, I really want to be clear, I'm not putting pressure on us as individuals, but put pressure on our government to do what they promised they do, like step up and make it carbon neutral. Um, so, yeah, hopefully they'll take the message. But, but we will see, won't we? Uh, until then, uh, make sure you're living above 10 metres sea level. Well, I think I think it's that's not easy. It's easier said than done, but I, I think... What that documentary also showed was the U.S. was willing. This is going way back. This is going back to the Clinton administration of Al Gore willing to put the U.S. at the forefront to kind of lead from example of let the more I won't call them developed countries. I call them first world countries. Say that have had influence because of the industrial revolution of they take the brunt of taking some of the responsibility to limit their uh their their carbon footprint and obviously the it never got passed because the u.s um senate put a block on of we've got to ratify it before it comes into law and obviously that kyoto agreement never happened so okay the argument you could say now is india and china are not developing countries anymore definitely probably superpowers in their own right and i think i think the most polluted country in the world is actually australia which you wouldn't think you wouldn't think being uh there's not a lot of people but that's coming back to your point of uh mining mm-hmm. minerals of it's yeah. it's got to take um shed loads of uh, of uh, of container trucks being pulled by by freight to be able to get it from source to 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 end products so 
Well, let's look at it in a sporting perspective. Your neighbour is doping. Would you dope just because your neighbour is? Your competitor? I, I wouldn't, but obviously exactly. the, 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 that's the argument a lot, a lot of the American athletes have used. Well, that's why they did it as, well, I don't know of somebody else, but I'm going to do it. Just in case. Just in case. So that and if not- they get caught, they still, they still get disqualified. So, you know, it's just, it, our neighbours, our neighbouring countries might not be doing the right thing, but I'm not going to start doping and I, I'm not going to stop training just because my neighbour's doping. And I think that mindset needs to really be brought into this climate as well. That, yeah, the UK might want to play by different rules than other countries, like America doesn't want to sign, China's doing business as usual, you know, India's taking advantage of their newfound supply of energy that they want to sell. Brilliant we can still play by our rules you know uh it, we we just need to stop comparing ourselves to others uh because it's just it's just not helping us accelerate and stand up and show what good looks like and also the results of what good looks like you know we could become quite a thriving country and sell this knowledge and sell our intellectual property and sell what we're learning to support others as well so actually the crisis we're facing we could turn it around to be the greatest thing that put britain on the map so yeah. well you could probably say from this cape perspective is we're living on um f- from a traditional sense of uh, i mean by this as past glories of okay i don't know where this map is but i've 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 i had access to uh, the geography book that either my mum or aunt had when they were in school, and we were Britain was an empire. So I think from one an- aspect, politically, they're still thinking of Britain as obviously this grey empire of uh, mm. obviously it never the sun never set on the empire. So it, whereas it does get reminded from time to time is only a little island in the grand scheme of things versus obviously. If it, the, the the countries that we named obviously from a geographical p- perspective are yeah i wouldn't try and guess at how how much bigger they are proportionally but they're a lot bigger in, in terms of but i think where you come from it and i can't actually defend it or, or challenge it is if it was at the forefront and, and it's leading obviously there's there's money to be made and there's obviously progress uh, a succession to be made from it if it's an advancement. So I'm not a politician. So and and, I, and even though we would say I probably make a good one, uh, I don't want to be because it's it's you can't hide behind manifestos or, or rhetoric to kind of go. We plan on doing this, and then you don't follow through. So this doesn't matter if it's UK government, Welsh government in terms of well why well, didn't sign up to this in terms of well there's it, it always how would i describe this an internal turmoil or or, or, or battle is to be fought as they, they can never compromise mm. to, to whatever it, is. it doesn't matter if it's to do with oh, i'll use the the, the unions and and, and and things like that of going on, on strike it, it's it's you need to come to some sort of mediatory fashion because if you can compromise 
depends on how you looked at the argument, which side actually wins. And but okay, from a environmental perspective, okay, Wales obviously wants to do it itself, which I can't see how because we'd have to go backwards to some extent to be able to be self-sufficient uh, as a nation then we have to obviously reopen coal mines <laughs> and i shouldn't laugh about that but in terms of it's going backwards to be able to go forwards as we've, well, we, we've got water we've got sun you know we've got winds a lot of wind power so we wouldn't have to open coal mines but we would need to invest in infrastructure so i get your point i don't think wales has that investment uh, potential to be able to to create it Yes, let's put the yes on it. Well, it's always the the, the aspect of I won't say rebellion. It's it's it, that's probably the difference between if we went historically between the Welsh and the Scots, we were lied to. That's that's why we came under England, and then we don't get a lot of things that Scotland's always seem to be fighting for. Uh, but I think, especially where I live, there's a lot of retired English people, so that would sway things in terms of think getting things done because. It, it changes the geopolitical standpoint of where where we where we live where people live um but i think where 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 we're going in terms of i don't see why you can't invest into to and okay my my uncle's like 90 years old now i've been long retired as a, as a civil engineer but he'd be banging on it when i was in my teens as well what we need to do this, 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 this is is uh, South Walian, so he's a very, very proud Welshman. And it's like if we did this, 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 this is how we do it, and just get it done. But obviously, that's people having to do it. But it's always got to be green lighted by somebody else that does no idea around it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. It's it, as I said at the beginning. It's very complicated, and. Um, me just as an athlete or just as one individual. I mean, my first degree was environmental engineering. So I have been in this world for 20 plus years, but it's just to get, it's, my entire motivation is to get people talking, learn what they know, ask more questions and find ways that we can move this through together and find the most effective. Because, you know, if all of us beach cleaned every day, brilliant, we won't soil the oil and gas crisis. So it's about finding out how we can be the most effective with our, the time that we are able to contribute to this. But, you know, igno ignorance is, and prevention and, you know, pausing and not doing work, unfortunately, is no longer an option. Well, I think the, probably the countries that are probably really at the cusp are probably the lowlands, so be it Belgium, the Netherlands, and then they they are very much like Suffolk and, and Norfolk, directly under threat. And it doesn't matter what they do from a reactive or preventative measure, there's going to come a point that obviously nature is going to kind of go, well, it doesn't matter what you're doing, This the, 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 the Arctic and the Antarctic keep melting, obviously the water is going to supersede. And obviously people are going to be displaced. So it's... We're we're not going in a direction from a population standpoint that's going down to be obviously that'd be one way of potentially doing it of with less people on the planet, uh, which would be very morbid of me to say that, but we need to be able to think outside the box in terms of this, this is one one example 
uh, of using um, the gentleman in question. Uh, I can't remember his name, so I apologize. But he was talking about energy from the star, like stars and the sun, like directly to be able to pull energy from that. Thus, you could make it into every aspect of our of our being. Mm. It does. It would transport health. You name it. We had access to it, and obviously, and this is back to the era of Tesla. I'm not yeah. talking the car now. I'm talking the person. This is if he had access to that kind of technology almost 200 years ago why do we seem to not be able to go forward in terms of why does somebody have to be gagged why does somebody have to be kind of be kind of crazy because he found something that is obviously non-conventional at the time you could probably say that about the motor car when it was horse horse and drawn carts as this this yeah. technology will never take off and obviously it does because it made things more convenient and and you could be able to do more things. And we can start today. You're right. The best time to plant a tree is 200 years ago. The second best time is today. So, you know, we, we can waste yet more time discussing why we didn't start it or just start it. You know, it, it might be a really valid option, but mining more oil and gas definitely isn't. So let's put all of that resource and energy into, into potentially stars and sunning it. Uh, and as well as hedging our bet with a bit of, you know, solar panels along the way. But, yeah, we just need to start taking action today. And, yeah, that's the most important bit for me. Well, it's, it's, I think from the planta plantation of trees is a, necess is a necessity because the more and more severe storms we have, oh, oh, okay, we had two this year, I think we had three last year, is gonna d destroy some of these two hundred year old, three hundred year old trees because obviously it's got no. How would I describe this? It's got no perch purchase because mm. it's not got the soil to be able to because of we've we've overpopulated in certain area, building on um, land, creating concrete everywhere else, and then there's no runoff for the water, so it, it's gonna cause. Um, landslides and things like that so we need to be able to use nature to counteract some of the things that we're obviously doing so if we're going to and i'll use locally because this actually this went mental because uh where they've built new housing there was protection rights on some of these trees still got cut down anyway yeah so you're thinking well if it's got a perfect protection order on it and I can't see why you couldn't do build round it or make it um, ever present in, in the actual finished product. Yeah, it it is very frustrating, you know, and I suppose what I'm doing my best with me and my bamboo bike is to add some hope into the story and show that the action we're taking is important and to double down on what is effective action. Because I think we're being, there's a lot that isn't being shared to us as generally from the, the politicians that we need to know and we need to take action around. Well, that's back to my point with the power. Yeah. If we don't tell people, uh, I'm not going to say the truth. If we don't, if we, 
don't give people the information and misinform them. Obviously, they can't make their opi- their own opi- judgment or opinion of of said thing. I'm not saying all politicians would do that, but that is one way to be able to have somebody under the thumb. Is to okay, it's more difficult than ever to do that now because see, you and I both have access to the internet on a, on our phones, computer. We can go to the library, can read newspapers, take um, our own. Uh, hypothesis from what what's being said because it's obviously somebody's opinion and whether or not we agree with that or not, we can obviously go to a third or third third source and okay, this is telling me this, this is telling me that, this is what I take from it and um, you could blame media as well because it's not impartial, especially not in this country. It's supposed to be impartial, but it's, I wouldn't say it is. He's got an agenda of we're gonna show this, 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 and this, and you. Not, so, so I find social media sometimes better, more inform, informative than 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 the the typical news outlet, which you wouldn't think TikTok or no TikTok pretty good for, but then that's a a, a particular platform that's showing me what its algorithm has determined that I want to see. So it will give me more of the stuff I want to I want to know about, um, which is which is clever. But come back to your initial point of we need to be having these discussions because ultimately you, you could argue that okay, you were talking before we came on air. You came up to North Wales. It was the hardest place in Wales on record, and and that place is probably ten minutes away from me. It wasn't that hot on for for me, mm-hmm. but that I think it got up to the Americans would probably laugh at this in certain places. It's about thirty seven degrees Celsius. Yeah. Which is about high eighties. Yeah. Fahrenheit. But it's it doesn't it doesn't have like it doesn't have to be the hottest in the world, but it's just very, very hot for where it is, which means other places are struggling too. So it's a sign it's a sign of what's to come. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So, my final question to you on that note, then, Kate, is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, I would summarize that the world is changing around us that regardless of what our neighbors are doing, it's important for us to keep asking, what else can I be achieving? What else can I be doing? And to make sure that we look to be the most effective possible uh, and to make sure we don't carry the whole world on our shoulders, that we spread it with people who actually have the power to make the change. So once again, Kate, thanks again for coming on the Minds of Athlete podcast. Thank you for inviting me, James. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hart. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. 
not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. <laughs>